Hello, hello. You're listening to For the Girls, Gays and Days, the podcast where two friends process their emotions concerning pop culture of note to the limp-wristed. From film to television, music to literature, we're here to tell you what caught our queer eyes this week. I am Colt, he, him. I'm Alex, David. Welcome. Welcome. Right. Let's get started with the most pressing piece of pop culture paraphernalia. Category is music. Yes. Alex, take it away. Thank you, Cole. I am obviously going to talk about Taylor Alison Swift, um, who, in case you missed it because your internet's been disconnected, um, <laughs> or you live under a rock, released a new album at midnight um, that literally has, I think, the world up in arms. It broke the record for most um, album streams mm. on Spotify. Um, it's got rave reviews from Variety, a sort of tepid review from the New York Times, and um, pretty stellar reviews from everybody else. <laughs> um, I think- Apart from a very vocal group on, on certain social media platforms that are very quick to shit on other people's parades yes. um but but yes. you know yeah somebody we spent uh, days move. nights hours sweat tears everything putting this into an album and you decided from your couch to send a tweet to eviscerate them so there are those people i'm not one of those people i think it's an incredible album mm-hmm. she in the span of a decade I think has had banger after banger after banger. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not been an album she's released that you can't say that there's a single you don't know about, which I yeah. think is a rare thing. Mm-hmm. Like it or not, you know that the single's out. Um, yeah. You've heard it. People play it. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty rare over the space of a decade. So um, I obviously listened to it immediately when it came out. And there are some songs that At midnight. I love. Not now. You see, I okay. love see. I didn't have that dedication either. I was also like, mm, <laughs> I will listen to that at a crisp six a.m. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> no, I appreciate that there are people who have that kind of stamina. Mm, but you know mm-hmm. what I love, baby? Cuddles and sleep. Um, mm-hmm. and I will sleep <laughs> anyway. But I um, I listened to it first listen, and mm. then when I got to work, obviously people messaged it to me. Um, mm. my my friend Hayden, who I think might listen to this. Friend he, of the podcast, yeah. Yes, he immediately sent me um, the one with Lana Del Rey and said, honey, where the fuck's Lana? <laughs> Which, yeah. The, one, the, first, the first tweet that I saw in response to Midnight was um, the gif of Oprah from the Harry and Meghan interview where it's like, Lana, were you silent or were you silenced? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said it is a Lana Del Rey song in the sense that it's sad and about a beach. So that is, you know. My second favorite like thing related to that is the backstory behind that song. Have you heard this? No, tell me. That this was inspired by something that one of the Real Housewives said. <laughs> That's a guess I know. I've ever heard. <laughs> one of the Real Housewives mentioned something about there being snow one time when they were at the beach and how like unusual that. What what oh, the hell was that? Fuck, I remember that now. And then that was the inspiration behind the song. So that song has a lot of a lot of layers. Okay. <laughs> very, very, gay. very, very gay layers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The whole album is actually incredibly straight. 
I think we all just have to come to terms with the fact that folklore and evermore were incredibly queer records, especially for um, lesbians, because it was it, it felt like you were essentially seeing every bad relationship you've ever had, every good relationship you've ever had, shown to you, and you could project onto the songs anything that you wanted. I mean, um, I've always sort of said about about Taylor that she's queer embraced, yeah, not queer her, herself, you know. Yeah. Who's to say? I have no idea. I've given up playing that game because God <laughs> alone knows. I, I've had some hits. I've had some misses. I have no idea what even that is anymore. But um, I think. Do you have this... thoughts on lavender haze? Does it yes. does it have so... queer subtext? Does it not? Mm. Let's settle it now that we've now now that we've heard the song. So I know. Did that she just choose the wrong color? No, she didn't choose the wrong color. I think. Mm what it is with Taylor that everybody assumed when they heard about the song is she was going to be talking about her and the Carly rumors being kind of weird rumors. Mm. But really what she was saying in that song is everybody is talking about me being pregnant, me being married. It's kind of weird. Um, and it is weird. Uh, <laughs> it's weird to talk yeah. about a person that thoroughly. Yeah. It's really it's strange. I'm and not I saying think... that I don't I don't love to do that. I I definitely love to do that, but I love it. I'm, I'm not denying that it is weird. I'm not denying that it is weird. But I, I played I, my I rain for those. I played yeah. my rain with those cases for a number of years. <laughs> well, but I think the main takeaway I have from that song and the album overall is that she's a storyteller. Mm. we don't know mm -hmm. her the way we think we know her mm -hmm. and she's there to spark our imagination mm -hmm. and that would that's what i think the queer community really enjoys about taylor is that a bit of theater a bit of theater a bit of uh projection a bit of uh creating a world that you can envision yourself in not necessarily the world as she has it. you could make any of those songs about anything but the reality is mm. if you look at them closely they're about an average white man and we all just have to you know come to terms with that yeah yeah god bless joe alwyn great news listen uh, boring okay. boring person anyway yeah. top three of the album for you because it serves cunt top to bottom vigilante shit that's in my three. It's so weird to hear her swear. Um, didn't didn't phase me entirely. I, it... She was like a Mormon. Her first albums were uh, like that... you could have played them in church. You see, I only sort of got on the Taylor bandwagon around nineteen eighty nine. So, mm. so pop era, which is basically what I gather is the start of her pop era. Pop mm. era Taylor Swift. It doesn't surprise me that she swears. So yeah, vigilante <laughs> shit is in my three. It's tough to pick three, but I think definitely Vigilante shit. Mm -hmm. um, Antihero. Mm, also in my three. Ant Antihero is a complete banger. And I mm, really mm -hmm. do like Lavender Haze. I think those mm. three are genuinely, like, if you like 1989, if you enjoyed Pop Taylor, mm. less than Folk Taylor, then this is the album for you. I, for mm. one, am a Folk Taylor person. I'm also yeah. sort of a light country Taylor person, so red. It mm. goes for me, it goes ever more folklore red, huh. 1989, and then Midnight's. So mm. they're all good, but 
That is the ranking in my head. I do not have an album ranking off the top <laughs> of my head. Um, it's 1989 and then bits of the rest of them. But in terms of my three off of, off of Midnight's, yeah, Vigilante shit definitely was like the first one that I sort of stood out for me when I was listening to on the first listen. I was like, yeah, that's, mm. she's that girl. Um, Antihero, I've sort of got attached to quite quickly as well. Of course, the video came out. That helps. It's been doing its rounds on TikTok. Oh. It's got sort of that, like, that's got that sort of like quite memeable line of like, it, I'm hi, the problem, it's me. I'm the problem, it's me. <laughs> Yeah. Very easily like memeable, very easily like TikTok trendable. So I've been seeing that. That always helps get attached to a song. Uh, I think my third pick would be Sweet Nothing. Ooh, Quite left field from romantic. the other two, I feel like. But I really, it's so like soft and sweet, as yeah. the title would suggest. And just like, just really lovely to listen to. So yeah, those are, those are my three. She is... Her and Jack Antonoff are actually big cheese balls. Um, and I think, you know, they try and hide it in these sort of vicious songs, but then you get to a song like Sweet Nothing and you're like, oh, you like candles when you have a bath, don't you? And I just, I appreciate that because I clearly like candles as well. <laughs> so I get that. I get being mm. a cheesy bitch. Um, I think it's a very, very good pop album, a great pop mm. album. Mm-hmm. Like you could pick it apart and you could find a single every in every song. I think mm-hmm. it's well written. My only issue with Jack Antonoff is I wish he would leave Taylor alone a bit more. I think sometimes mm-hmm. he overproduces her. Yeah. Um yeah. ever so slightly. And I think yeah. It's like when you see a queen on Drag Race and she has too much on and you're like, honey. Just take just a couple of things off. One thing, yeah. He's obviously an incredible producer. I'm not an incredible producer. I appreciate all the work that he puts into this. I mean, yeah. clearly. But just sometimes we know you're there, Jack. You don't have to make us know that you're there yeah. all the time. Yeah. That is that is a criticism that I have seen. I think that it's a valid criticism. I think my only criticism would be that some of the songs sound a little samey to, to previous songs. I think that could also just come down to production. It could have been I, I don't I don't know enough about the production to know what else he's produced for her. But I must have, like first listen through, I didn't hear it as much. But now on subsequent listen throughs, I'm like, oh, this sounds a lot like Welcome to New York, huh? This yes. sounds a lot like Into the Wood, Out of the Woods, whatever it's called. So that's my only thing. I mean, that it doesn't bother me hugely because I'm like, I like those songs. I like these songs. They <laughs> they sound a lot alike, but like you know, that's what a lot of a lot of um, a lot of artists build their career on. We've mentioned Lana Del Rey already. Lisa, yeah. Mm. I mean, God, I think I used to cry when Lana um, songs came out, and that's how gay I am. In case anybody's keeping track or had any cure. I literally, I think I sent you the one from the Great Gatsby, um, oh, yeah. and had a good cry. Yeah, and I didn't cry over this Taylor record, but I have cried no. over Folklore and Evermore because yeah. they were just, you know, I felt like I really connected with them. But that's the great mm. thing about somebody working this much and being this prolific is yeah. that you're gonna have. There's a lot of material. There's there's gonna be some repetition, and that's fine. Yeah. What do you have in your music box, beautiful man? Okay, so, I mean, obviously, I've had a lot to say about Taylor. 
because I've been listening to Taylor as well. Uh, mm. But if we're going to talk about something that's not Taylor, I'm going to talk about a, a single song Ooh. that I heard this week. Ooh. It was not released this week, but I heard it for the first time this week. Um, it comes from the 28-year-old comedian, actor, writer, now-turned-recording artist, Jabuki Young-White. I have had the biggest crush on this boy (laughs) for the longest time. I've loved his stand-up for years. I think he's very funny and very charismatic. He's had little acting roles, little recurring roles on certain shows. He was on Only Murders in the Building, which we love. Um, He had... (laughs) He had an error on Twitter that I think was iconic where he had his verified check mark and he would change his name and profile picture (laughs) to different celebrities and organizations and make parody (laughs) tweets. Uh, He got banned for um, doing one as the FBI. Yeah, I love that one the most. (laughs) (laughs) Claiming responsibility for the assassination of Martin Luther King on Martin Luther King Day. As they should have. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm only joking. Please don't kick me out. I love it here. He was then banned again for tweeting as CNN, and I quote, breaking, Joe Biden is not dead. He's just getting some dick. We've all been there. Brilliant. He's back Brilliant. on Twitter, but needless to say, he has lost his verified status. Sad. <laughs> R.I.P. It was good, though. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he released his debut single, BBC, which stands for Bad Bitch Coochie, September 30th. Uh, mm-hmm. I only listened to it this week and got a little obsessed. I I love the video, love the song, sent it to you, expected a big response and you were like, meh. Um, yeah. It's filthy. <laughs> it is so, so filthy. Dirty. But I find it so sexy. <laughs> Think, think Kim Petrus, mm. treat me like a slut, mm. but with top energy. Yes. I'm into it. I'm into I, it. I'm into the video. The video is weird. Very, very sort of like Gen Z, uh, 2000s nostalgia kind of thing that's going around a lot. Like it was used a lot in some of the Tuvalu uh, visuals that she put out for her album. I'm into it. You I... less so. What is, I, what my my only critique with um that record was it was a bit too dirty for me. Um <laughs> I think if you get vodka in me on a Friday night, <laughs> I would probably love it. It doesn't mean that it was too dirty. It means that um I was raised too Catholic for too many years. <laughs> um and I'm repressed uh. in many a way. Uh so it's a great it's actually a great song. And I think if you like um Brooke Candy if you like Kim Petras if you before she was so horrible like Zelia Banks then this Uh, might be up your street I love a bit of filth you know yeah anyway category is television what have you been watching this week so I have been deep deep in the middle of nowhere in America in a show called Somebody Somewhere. It's actually mm. a really funny story. My wife's colleague at work <laughs> got the literal ass end of the show because she watched like the last two episodes. Because, you know, sometimes when you hit play, you hit play on the wrong episode. 
Uh, and so yeah. she described the show as something completely different, but that the yeah. soundtrack was good. So in yeah. I go, thinking I'm watching a show about a farmer and a soil expert in, you know, Kansas. However, it is so queer. It's by the uh, Duplass brothers, who many people will know mm-hmm. um, from a lot of their work, but Transparence, I think, is the biggest mm. one that a lot mm-hmm. of queer people will reference. Mm. And it is a very queer show. We meet Sam, who moved back home to take care of her sister, who was dying and doesn't get on with her family. And her family's a hot mess. And if your family is anything like mine, you can relate. So um, it's it's beautiful. It's moving, it's real, um, it doesn't put bells and whistles on the human experience, it just shows you how awkward and funny and awful mm. it is all at once to exist. Mm. I think it's about the fact that you hit your thirties your and your forties and mm. you kind of realize that life started but you didn't realize it was starting and you... Yeah you know have to figure out what you want to do like i think she's working marking essays which is mm. you know great but it's definitely not what she wants to do with her life and she mm. realizes the only thing that makes her happy is something that she stopped doing because um she felt like she wasn't good at it and everybody's like you are actually good at it so that's singing yeah it was in the trailer yeah, yeah. she's a great She's a great singer, but she just doesn't back herself and she doesn't appreciate mm. herself. Um, and she meets this wonderful gay man who helps her remember that she's incredible. And I love that story. I think it's so great. Like platonic love is like one of my favorite mm. stories on screen. Mm-hmm. I think mm. romantic love gets a good amount of albums and yeah. movies and TV shows, but platonic love, you know, just doesn't get enough of a song. Mm. yeah and it's lovely like but i know that both of the leads have been sort of supporting actors or like bit part actors in a lot of sitcoms and a lot of like comedy films over the last few years so i think it's it's really cool that they've they've got sort of a bit of a showcase to sort of do something with a bit more substance so Mm. i'm definitely looking forward to watching that one awesome what are you watching i have not watched a lot this week but what I did watch was Sue Perkins' Perfectly Legal. It's a three-part three part documentary series from Sue Perkins, who's comedian, presenter, actress, writer, probably most well-known for being the co-presenter on The Great British Bake Off, which I must say has been sorely lacking a lesbian for a few years now. So badly. I love Sue. Sue. Is, is phenomenal. Such... Like lesbian icon uh, has done a lot of presenting stuff. Um, another highlight of hers that I absolutely loved was the Supersizers Go, dot 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 yes. with with Giles Corrin. My favorite. Whenever I'm ill, I put it on. It makes me feel better. So fun. They basically eat their way around specific time periods with mm. costumes and everything. It's 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 just it's just the right amount of like camp and ridiculousness with yeah. With actual like history and stuff, so you're learning, but you're laughing. You learn. You learn yeah. that women have had a terrible time in every single time period because she's always yes. <laughs> He's always yes. like in a sauna, being fanned and fed grapes, and she's always like, "Oh, yeah. I guess I'll just um, grind this cow shit into my clothes." <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, that 
great show recommend that not the show that i watched the show that i watched was sue perkins perfectly legal um in which sue perkins confronts middle age by having an adventure across latin america uh which is to say she basically gets off her face and does dangerous and surprisingly legal tourist activities around surprising emphasis on surprise sue gets shot she goes water rafting with sex workers goes looking for and finds men willing to admit to having sex with donkeys on camera and that's all in the first episode yes so available on netflix would recommend if you've got a couple of hours to kill and you want some fun. Uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. And we're back. Category is... Literature, literature, literature. I want to tell you all about a book that I think a lot of uh, lesbians read a few years ago. Um, but it's actually coming back into everyone's uh, conversations because they've they're making a TV show about it. I believe mm. it's called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, and it's by Taylor Reed. Taylor Reed um, is a very prolific author and has written some of uh, I think my favorite books. And in this book, we meet Evelyn, who is a beautiful woman uh, and we know it because she struggles with the patriarchy from the time she's about 11. She's magnetic. She's beautiful. Mm. She is well endowed with all the blessings of great locks, but she also has a mind on her that makes her able to take all of the bullshit put on her from being a beautiful woman mm. and turn herself into one of the biggest actresses in old Hollywood Mm. and it's about her journey of sort of love and loss and marrying the wrong man and marrying the other wrong man and then marrying again the wrong man but all throughout this there's a thread of love in her life there is a love of her life um, that I won't spoil for everybody because it is a bit of a slow burn which I think we all at least I love enemies to lovers number one slow burn number two and it is both actually. I'm assuming it's sapphic, given that it is it is an icon of queer literature. So yeah. um <laughs> yes, 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 for sure. But I won't tell you there are a lot of other female characters in this book, so I'm not gonna tell you which one it is. But the Fair minute enough. that that character gets on the page, you kind of know that um Evelyn hates her. <laughs> and she maybe dislikes Evelyn, and then I think they have one meal together. And they connect. And then there's a scene in a broom closet that was one of my favorite scenes. And, I and think to quote that, a cartoon meerkat, I can see what's happening. And they don't have a clue. No clue. Bless, bless them. Um, I think it's a great sort of look into what queer people had to do in history and still have to do today to get by. Yeah. You know, um, they had to marry men. They had to be quiet about their love. They had to be quiet about their heartbreaks. They had to mm. be um, sort of covert in their references to their loves, even when they won awards for mm. being very good at what they were doing. They couldn't say, and I want to thank the love of my life. They had to give a wink and a nod. Um, and I think, you know, that's true. I'm not here to talk about 
Audrey Hepburn or um, anybody else. Mm. But it's definitely, it finds mirrors throughout history. Mm. Um, you know, and I think if you if you do like the book, it really is nice to go see interviews with Taylor Reid where she kind of speaks about what she was, the story she was trying to tell and all the stories mm -hmm. that she put together to tell this one. Mm. Um, and how tough it is probably even today to live in the glass closet um, that some people live in or live completely in the closet like some other people do, um, yeah. which is even tougher in, in the world with, you know, Dumois and stuff like that. So it's a great book. If you want to cry for about two years, <laughs> this is the one, kids. If you want it to stick with you with, like, images that are burned into your brain, this is the one, kids. It's really great. What do you know about the adaptation? Do you know? Do you know anything about it? Do we know casting Lost? directors? Any of that? No, I don't. I know a lot of people because of shape would like Christina Hendricks to be in it, but I oh. don't know if she signed up. Um, I'm going to do a quick on the fly Google yeah. search and see um, what information we have. I heard Jennifer Beals was attached as producer. I don't know if she's still attached as producer, oh. but she was very passionate about it at a certain time. Um, oh, Cancelled TV adaptation. Oh. Uh, film adaptation on March 2020, 2022. It was announced that Netflix will be adapting the novel with Liz something something writing and margaret sharon executive producer so yeah no no so i guess that got bombed jennifer beals got no bombed details. out but... yeah in 2019 freeform and fox 21 television picked up the rights for development jennifer beals and eileen shaken who worked on the l word were to produce the show reed was to work on the show as a screenwriter in june 2021 reed confirmed in an interview that the rights were no longer owned by Freeform and would be produced on another platform. She said she felt really good with the direction that it's going in, which clearly is now a film adaptation. I think that's going to be a bit tricky because, like I said, it's it's a quite a lengthy, book. a lengthy book, yeah. is it not? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a lengthy book, but also it spans it spans the life of these people. You meet yeah. her when she's a tween. Um, mm. You go all the way until her death. Everyone dies. That's not a spoiler. Um, and that's a very long time. I think overall, I hope they, mm. they give it its fair amount of breathing space. Because mm. my worst thing in the world is when you have a beautiful, rich story and you take it and you squish it and you make it an hour and a half. I think that does it a disservice. Mm. Not everything can breathe in that amount of room. Some, you yeah. know, obviously... But please, I'm when was the last time you saw a film that was actually an hour and a half, though? What is that? Can you talk me through that? Why do I have to clear three hours of my day to watch... Drink no liquids. Movie? Drink no liquids from the time you woke up. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I... That has been my main critique of, of films this entire year, has been... It was, it was fine. Didn't need to be three hours long. <laughs> this could have been 90 minutes. But... I, I hear you. Not not all stories can be told in 90 minutes, um, especially when you're adapting a book that is sort of lengthy and has a lot of stories happening. Um, you you sort of need very talented screenwriters to to do it. And, and they have. They've, you have a lot of people who can adapt 
books into films that are, are arguably better than the, the, the source material. But sometimes exactly. it's hard. It's hard, especially when it is what you're talking about being like a, a sort of multi-generational spanning story. Those are mm. hard to adapt into a film. Uh, so I understand why they were going for a TV show to start off with. So that's interesting. If you give me six episodes, an hour long, I will be there for all six hours. But if you tell me three hours... I give up in an hour and a half. I don't know what that is about me. I think if you break it down into like little bits, I'll end up wanting more. Um, but if you give me straight an hour, like I think my grandmother used to tell me because she worked at a film theater that if a movie was an hour and a half, they used to like have a point where the filmmaker would have put in like a almost a like a second transition. act. Yeah. yeah. And, and that would be the break and everybody would come out like it was a theater. Everybody would come out and, you know, you could go to the bathroom, you have a smoke in those days. I don't smoke. Um, You could do whatever you needed to do. And then the little bell went off and off you went back in. She was like, I I can't imagine sitting somewhere in one place trying to concentrate for three hours. Um, And I agree with her on that because I just think, you know, your butt gets sore, you get over it and... I don't know. It's not. It's not specifically for me. I think a Netflix three hour is different than a, a theater three hour. Though, what do you think? I would have said that last year. I would agree with you. I hmm. think over the last year, I've moved away from being able to like sit and binge a TV show for six hours. In oh. that respect, if I'm, I'm now finding myself increasingly being like, if something drops as the entire season like a a binge drop on netflix like the netflix model Hmm. i just don't watch it anymore that to me feels i'm now feeling that as a commitment like the way that i used to think about a a film it feels to me like a six hour film rather than six episodes of a tv show i can watch a tv show that's like hour long and, and six episodes whatever weekly and that's sort of now like why I say I have not watched a lot of TV because there's plenty of TV to watch on streamers, but they're full seasons. Uh-huh. I'm I'm struggling now to to watch, to commit to binge watching an entire thing. That's I so prefer now that oldest that older style model of television where an episode will drop and people watch it and they discuss it and there's sort of discourse and you can sort of I'll, I'll consume six hours worth of material around that one episode, and I have on things like things like the, the House of the Dragon and Rings of Power and all the Marvel shows and the Star Wars shows. Ooh, Rings of Power. Uh, Survivor, RuPaul's Drag Race. Like I'll I'll sit and I'll listen to podcasts and and recaps and stuff. But it's having that thing of I can marinate on this one episode for a week in various wow. ways. I'm I'm much more inclined to do that now than I than I was before. So there's That's so many so Netflix shows, so many Netflix shows that I just haven't got through. I haven't finished Stranger Things. I got like three episodes in. They're full. They're, I mean, they're all feature fucking length movies. But yeah. I was I just like, this is boy. this is too much yeah, of a commitment. Really. I'm I'm tapping out. I think the last time I like watched a binge drop of a series was A League of Their Own, which mm-hmm. you know, out mm-hmm. the. The quality of it out, outweighed my aversion to committing that to a binge show watch. Is so good. I, we will probably discuss that in some depth at some point. I think a whole episode, episode yeah. for that show for me. Yeah. 
Um, I think you're so right. Sometimes it can feel like a big commitment. I haven't felt that way about binge watching a show. I guess because I haven't had the opportunity to. What I do is sometimes I'll binge watch the entire thing like a League of Their Own. But what I actually do is I kind of create my own. Because I'm old, the way I remember TV is like they had blocks with Monday like, night, Tuesday shows. night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite shows would like be on a Monday night and then it would be like, oh, you get Grey's Anatomy and you get, um, sure. and then, yeah, you get back to back. Yeah. And, and then you can, you know, have an hour to wash your dishes and off to bed you go. And that is what I, I think also for you because you have a spouse as well. Yeah. You've got the thing of like, oh, I can't watch unless I'm watching with my spouse or with the person I've like committed to watching the show with. Sure. It's easier to do that. It's easier to doll something out and have sort of someone. I, mean, I was having this discussion yesterday with a friend of mine, um, yesterday, day before, where she was saying, like, she would not be watching a lot of these shows, but because it's like she's got a partner who comes home and says, right, time to watch the new episode of the show, she watches it because she's got someone else giving her that pressure to be like, right, watch it. Whereas I don't have I don't have that. So I'm quite content to just scroll on TikTok for three hours when I could have watched like three episodes of a TV show or a movie. I will just sit on TikTok for three hours. You're a free man. You can do whatever you want. I mean, that is the, but I have to say, I enjoy having Nicole there to like process my favorite shows, but it does mean that I end up watching shows that I don't necessarily love. And that is the Below Deck franchise. Um, (laughs) So, you know. Anyway, we're getting wildly off track. I will move on to the category is film. Yes. And I will be talking about Knives Out. Yes, the Glass Onion. <clears throat> yeah, I will I will touch on Glass Onion. Um I did I did get to see Glass Onion um between the last did, record folks. and and He's now. Fancy. Really enjoyed it. I think it's quite different from Knives Out. Uh but definitely, definitely excited for it. Um, but basically watching that film inspired me to rewatch Knives Out, which is why I wanted to talk about Knives Out now, because I've just rewatched it again this week for I don't know how many, the how manyth time. Mm. For anyone who hasn't seen Knives Out, it is a 2019 murder mystery film directed by Ryan Johnson that follows a master detective, Benoit Blanc, mm. portrayed hilariously by Daniel Craig. He is investigating the death of the patriarch of a wealthy, dysfunctional family. From here on out, there will be spoilers. So if you have not seen the film, go watch the film. Come back, listen to this. Um, I love the way that the the story is told, I think is what makes this really stand out for me as as a truly spectacular film. It's my favourite film of 2019 as one of the few like five out of five stars, no notes films for me. So we we start meeting the family of of this patriarch who has died and we're investigating and, and it's getting underway. Everybody has a motive. It's sort of being revealed, which is, you know, a staple of most murder mysteries. And then we're shown what happened. Just as like we're getting into the investigation, expectations subverted, we're shown this is what happened on the night of the thing. Um, Marta, who is um, the the patriarch's nurse, played by Anna, Anna de Armas. Armas, right? Anna de Armas, yeah. spectacular, gorgeous, just so good on so many levels. 
she has accidentally switched um, Harlan, the Patriarch's meds. And as a result, he's, we think he's dying. So Harlan hatches a plot to ensure that Marta gets away with it because he he knows he's dying. He doesn't want anything bad to happen to her. He doesn't want anything too bad to happen to her family because her mother is an illegal immigrant. He doesn't want that them to come under any scrutiny. He knows he's going to die. So he hatches his plan for her to get away with it. Mm-hmm. From this point in the film, we then switch perspectives. And instead of it being a whodunit, because we know we now know who done it, we're seeing if Marta can get away with it. It's this mm. shift in almost a shift in genre, a shift in in perspective. So we're we're following her as she's sort of aiding Benoit Blanc in investigating this case. But of course, she's working in her own subtle ways to get away, continue to get away with it. Uh, and we're sort of as an audience are now in this odd place of like, we've started off trying to investigate and find out what happened in this murder. And now we're sort of like trying to, of course we sympathize with, with Marta because she's sort of been like our, one of our main characters. We, we kind of want her to get away with it. And the rest of the people are rich. So that and, yeah. immediately makes us not like them. It's got like, it's got big eat the rich vibes. Like these people are very out of touch. They're very self-absorbed. They're very like, everyone's out for themselves yeah, um, they're the worst. So we we carry on with this, and and just just when Marta is about to confess what she thinks is her crime to the family and to yeah denounce her her inheritance because Harlan has decided that he's not giving anything to his family and he was going to give it all to Marta. Mm. Um, so she's about to confess to what's happened. She's about to give the inheritance back, and Benoit Blanc puts together the final puzzle pieces and reveals that that there was indeed foul play and it was not it was not Marta's fault at all Harlan's grandson played by Chris Evans in a jumper that will make you iconic cable knit grateful um, for knitting yes just yeah also a great coat great scarves yeah. he snacks <laughs> And we wish snacks on a biscuit snack. in a, in in the yes. sexiest way possible. He is revealed to be the person who's masterminded this and does, and and swapped the meds around so that mm-hmm. Marta would be responsible for killing him and would no longer be able to receive the inheritance because she was responsible for his death. Mm. And then f- for like a final twist, it's revealed that Harlan was not actually poisoned. The meds would while labeled incorrectly had not been switched because she still knew which med was which just by like the little things yeah. she was good at her job yeah. and had he actually just done what she wanted to do and called an ambulance he would have survived meaning that he has killed himself needlessly and Marta is not responsible so it's this moment that is just it is heartbreaking because Marta has lost a person that she's very close to, that she was a very good friend of hers. And she's gone through the heartbreak of thinking that she's been responsible for it. And she's now finding out that like, if she just, if she just like got him to listen to her and, and call the police, everything would have been fine. Like it was so close to everything being fine and, and it wasn't. And it's this sort of heartbreaking moment. And I think it, it just goes to, how it's a masterfully constructed story that subverts your expectations again 
and again. I remember watching it for the first time with a ha- with my housemate at the time. And she is the type of person who, when she's watching a film, loves to figure the film out before, before it happens. Loves to be able to be like, oh, I saw that coming. Oh, this right. is what's happening. Especially, <laughs> it's not it's not you, Alex. But yeah. <laughs> so this friend, I watched it with with her, and she was and she was going, oh, that person did it. That's he probably didn't kill himself at all, like someone else. And then it was like, oh, okay, no, never mind. Oh well, it's it's clearly this. And then oh, oh, never mind. <laughs> it's just, and it was just lovely to that's. That's sort what they of see that experience That's play out. I'm like, this is yeah. this is what makes this such a spectacular film. Um, and then on top of that, it's got this lovely autumnal feel to it. We've already mentioned the cable knit and the coats galore, and like the brown leaves and the mist. It just it's very atmospheric. It's now one of my like autumn films. I've got pressure for you. I've got a question for you. Oh, mm-hmm. Give me your autumnal film ranking your top five knives out number one knives out number one number one uh fantastic mr fox number two mm-hmm. Coraline number three oh og hocus pocus number four yes and then this is not necessarily autumnal but it's it it's halloweeny and camp yeah. death becomes her <gasps> number five essential Brilliant. Brilliant. season classics they they must be watched in the month of October. Um, it is it is essential viewing. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now Glass Onion oh. has a very different feel. Oh no. In terms of it's seasonal, it's set on a oh, Greek okay. island in the summer. Uh still very camp, still very, very evocative of that season. So I think it's I can I can see an eventuality of like watching these if it continues like this with with subsequent knives out mysteries, having it be like, okay, I watched Knives Out in the autumn. I watched Glass Onion in the summer. You know? Um again, Glass Onion striking fashions. They're the costumes are spectacular. Um notably Benoit Blanc, who is significantly camper than he was in this film and he's he's quite camp in this film significantly camper his outfits are much more flamboyant and and enjoyable there's like a two-piece like swimsuit number that's like is it slutty navy blue and white stripes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it's like a it's like a romper kind of vibe Uh, great i think it's in the trailer so i don't think i'm spoiling anything but yeah amazing um Kate Hudson as well in the film has some spectacular costumes. Kate Hudson. Wow, that's a name yeah. I've heard for years. Yeah. She she's stunning in this in this film and and having the most fun. That's the thing is is also I think it can be said of Knives Out, it can be said of Glass Onion. The cast is just having the f- fucking best time of their careers. Like they're just Glass Onion, especially, I can imagine they were essentially on holiday. They were on holiday. They were on like a summer holiday on the on a Greek island for like two months, whatever it was, to, to like film film the film. Um, yeah, love it. It's set for a limited theatrical release, November twenty third, just for a week, which is a shame. I feel like I feel like it it is a film that would benefit from being seen on a big screen for sure. 
Um, mm. And then it receives its wide release on Netflix on December 23rd. I cannot wait for people to see this film, mostly just so I can talk about it more and see people talk about it and dissect it and like review it. And and yeah, I'm excited for you to see it so much. I think you're going to really enjoy it. I don't want to get your hopes too high. Um, you know, I love a murder mystery. You know, it makes me yeah. endlessly happy. So yeah. I um, it's like one of my favorite genres. I, I just think I love it, I love it does it so really good. well. Um, did I call him Rian for a time? Yes. Um, <laughs> Understandable. It's spelt like it should be. Why do your parents do that? Coming from South Africa, yeah. Um, anyway, but um, do we know? Is he? Could he be South African? I think I could. Could his parents have been South African and he's not actually lived in South Africa? I think his parents were just trying something. Oh yeah. 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 Straight people do that, man. They yeah. just out there. Anyway. But I definitely want to see it, especially with your recommendation. I, I, I really fancy going to see it um, if I don't get to the theaters. A week's a short amount of time, um, yeah. you know, but uh, if I don't get to the theater, at least I can switch off all the lights in my lounge and pretend I'm in a theater. I mean, I would recommend get on it now. Have a look, see <laughs> if you can find tickets. I think there's nothing wrong with booking for a spectacular film one month in advance. I think there's nothing wrong with that. That's true. That is true. Um, and in the meantime, yes. rewatch the original Knives Out. It, I've watched it so many times now. It's I've lost count. Watch that. Another great whodunit that came out this year was See How They Run. Go watch that to like tide you over. That's also great, and that's also a period piece. I know how you love a period piece. Yeah, go watch more murder mysteries. I think they're they're a genre that's sort of much maligned. Go watch a whodunit now. But until then, join us next week for another sip of queer culture. Cheers. Cheers!